Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you. Great to see everybody today. Hope you're having a great day. Incredible fall day. This is our one of our travel weekends, and a travel weekend is we've no, over the years noticed that there are certain times that people travel, and as soon as the leaves come out in North Carolina, people are heading up there, and so um, a lot of people are traveling today. I hope they're uh, traveling mercies for them as they they're out there, but. Um, Sometimes as a pastor, when you, you have a message that you really feel like God gave you, and all of a sudden you know everybody's traveling, you're kind of like, well, we'll just hold that and we'll just do a kind of a knockoff uh, Sunday. But we don't play knockoff Sundays here at, at Crosstown. When we feel that God is talking and calling and speaking to us, we, we, we talk about what he wants to talk about. This little card is going to be very important to you in about 20 minutes. So if you'll just kind of hold on to this, um, this... This is going to be a, a big deal. We've been talking about liturgies and the intentional patterns of life that we have and kind of realigning ourselves with God and uh, to break up the mayhem of the routine of life. All life's going to have routines, okay? So, you know, whatever it is, whether it's going to be eating routine, whether it's your sleeping routine, everybody's going to have a routine that you're involved in. The question is, is who's in charge of those routines? And are those routines meaningful? Because uh, there are a lot of things in life that aren't meaningful. You know, it's hard to get excited about oatmeal. You know, you can, you know, it's just like, it's just oatmeal. You can put blueberries in there if you want. If you think that's going to, you can, you can put whipped cream on it and all that and just pretend. See, I'm from the Northeast. Now, that was 40 years ago, so I'm as Southern as some of you. No matter what you say, just stop it right now. Whatever you say, I am as Southern, but um, I love grits. But you know what I love with my grits? Syrup. I, yeah, I put syrup on my grits because I'm really pretending it's cream of wheat. That's exactly what my mom, because I was raised with cream of wheat. Nobody does cream of wheat. Cream of wheat. We can't even say it. Cream of wheat. That's how, yo, you got your cream of wheat. Uh, I am Southern. Huh, I just realized I am Southern. I can't even say cream of wheat no more. Uh, <laughs> And so uh, I put syrup in it. So you can try to, there are some things that we just do that are just things that we have to do. But liturgy is the idea of finding and aligning the, the things that we do and discovering God in them and giving glory to God and finding God's truth in it. So some of the liturgies we've talked around s surround the time of day, um, like waking uh, and going to bed. We talked about both of those moments in our lives that we all have repetitively. And so the liturgy presents itself in those periods of the day. Then there are other liturgies we've talked about that surround common activity. For instance, mealtime. That's a common activity. And so when mealtime happens, that liturgy presents itself. And we talked about what that liturgy could look like for all of us. Another liturgy that it presents itself is conversations during the day as we're going throughout the day. Um, some of them were intentionally inter, uh, injecting things to honor God, like liturgies of devotion that we talked about, giving thanks, um, serving, being generous, that these are all liturgies that we practice throughout the day. But today's the last liturgy is an interesting one. It, it's something that travels with you throughout the day, so it's not dependent on conversation, mealtime, wake up or go to sleep time. It is, it is a liturgy that you have to have with you pretty much all the time. Um, uh, it, it's kind of like, have you ever gone someplace, maybe to a wedding? And maybe I'm a little more pretentious than most of you, but when I'm in a suit, I want the suit to look good, okay? And so what I'll do is I'll begin to eliminate the things in my pockets, you know? And so uh, there'll be like, I'll, t I'll take out a, uh, the my uh, phone or my wallet, and, uh, or like when you're going to Disney World or the Carowinds or whatever you're going to, and, and you want to reduce how much is in your back pocket. Ladies, you may do it this way. When you're getting dressed up to go to an event, you have a special purse. You don't have that, you know, going across the Appalachian Trail purse that you normally have. You know, my wife loses her phone every single day. The crazy thing is it's in her purse every single day. But she has this giant purse that everything goes into. And then there is the slim down, go with the dress, go with the outfit little purse. 
And so I, I do that. I, I will slim down and to get rid of the bulges and carrying around something. I don't want anything to fall out. So I, I narrow it down to, to three cards that go into my, into my pocket, okay? And so just think about the, the things that you slim down. What, are, what would be the three cards that end up in your pocket? Well, for me, there's the driver's license because my, at any, any moment my body could wash up on the shore and they need to identify me. Okay, so I, I don't know why I think I'm always going to be the victim of a, a natural disaster and they need to identify my body. So that got to have that one. Then there is the debit card. Okay, you got to have that thing ready to go anytime, you know, you need to, you know, rent a car or something. You don't know what's going to happen. Um, and then there's the third card. Okay, what, do you, what is your third card? Just think about it for a second. What would be the third card that you would 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 carry around, um, let, and say, so feel free, yell it out, you, insurance. insurance card, okay, how many people, it was the insurance card, okay, yeah, yeah, a lot of people, that's insurance card, anybody else, what other card, a bagel nation, okay, good, uh, good, uh, concealed weapons permit, yeah, that's good, Liz, what's yours, okay, her registration, um, so you can, there's these cards, for me, it's Costco. <laughs> I, it's, you got, I mean, I'm telling you what, you got to be ready to go to Costco because if you're, if you're in a fight or a nuclear war or, you know, there's a hurricane coming, just think of all the things that you need a Costco card for. And then there is, uh, you know, TVs go on sale. And when you find out they're on sale, you got to be able to get into that Costco. So we kind of slimmed down. And, and, and the reason why I bring that up is that, there is a liturgy you need to carry around with you. There is a liturgy that you need to keep with you at all times throughout the day, no matter what the day is. And it is the liturgy of resolving regrets. Because every day we do things that we regret. Every day um, things begin to pile up that we didn't do that we should have done and we didn't accomplish. Every day we look at our lives and we may evaluate it based upon the past, based upon some, some expectation that we had and, and regrets begin to pile up in our lives. And we've got to be ready to deal with these regrets. Every day we hear how we should have done things in the past and then it's just too late. I mean, you just can't go back there again. You can't, you can't go back and talk to your father who's deceased. You can't go back and put that first marriage together that's totally messed up. Or you, There are certain times in life when you begin to evaluate what you've done in the past and, and that maybe it's too late. Uh, and they begin to pile up and they pile up and they pile up. And, and, and some of these regrets are imaginary. You know, I regret not being a sub-commander in the Navy. I had no chance of ever becoming a sub-commander in the Navy. I'm colorblind, um, and I didn't like college. So, I, I mean, those were two big factors that were going to get in the way of me ever landing on the moon or whatever aspirations. But sometimes we have thoughts about, if I could do it differently, this is how I would do it. And, and we, we carry around these regrets about what it should have, could have done in our lives. And then there are the things that we're doing every single day, that you have a conversation with somebody, and you walk out of the room, and you're like, man... I didn't, I didn't handle that right. I was in one of those cases when I was up in New Hampshire and I, this lady was talking to me and she just wouldn't stop talking to me. She was a little drunk and we were at a wedding and it was like, you know, I didn't know her from Adam and, and she just wouldn't stop talking. She wanted me to kiss my sister. She wanted to get a picture of me kissing my sister. And she just like, kiss your sister, kiss your sister. You know, that's the way they speak up there. Kiss your sister. And I'm like, I don't want to kiss my sister. And I'm like, who are you, lady? And why do you want a picture of me kissing my sister on your phone? Because I'm not giving you my phone number for you to send me to that picture. She's like, kiss I kiss my, my brothers. I'm like, and I just like, I, I just put my hand up like this. And I figured I'm not going to see her again. She's drunk. And I'm probably not going to lead her to Jesus. So that basically gave me permission to like, be me, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, this, I just like, she goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I I'm sorry, I can't talk anymore. She's like, why? And I said, because my brain just died. It just died. And she's like, what's wrong with you? I'm like, you killed 
my brain. I can't talk anymore. Now, that was probably not the nicest thing to say to this human being. I do have a little bit of regret about that. that I, but all of us do things throughout the day, and it begins to pile up. Um, but the problem is, is when regrets, the big ones, become the end of our story, you know, where you make a mistake or, a, or something happens in your life or something you're born into becomes so big that it becomes the end of your story. You're now divorced, you know, and all of a sudden you feel like the story has just ended. You're now old or you now have uh, a certain type of pain in your life. And then the, the regrets become so big and so heavy and the mistakes or the unresolved things, the expectations that we thought were going to happen become so heavy, your story ends with the last regret. So what is your story? What is your narrative? What is, what is your personal gospel? Um, because it's easy to lose your story. You can lose your story in the past. You can lose your story in pain. You can lose your story in grief. You can lose your story in nearsightedness. Like you get so caught up in like an, a problem that you're having with your daughter or with your grandchildren or with your finances or with your job where you become so nearsighted to the problem that's in your life that you lose your story. And what's going on in Israel is a big deal. But nothing is so big that you lose your story. You know, and, and, and people are getting anxious and concerned about what's going on in Israel. And we should be concerned about the horrific crimes that are taking place there. But, um, but in the middle of an event, whether it's personal or global, we'll tend to lose our story. Uh, what, what am I about? Who am I again? Uh, what, how do I move forward? We lose our story in regret. And what I have found is that events and mistakes or regrets, imagined or real, begin to pile up like stones into a wall. And they keep us from moving forward with our story. They're just kind of all piled up and they get bigger and bigger and you have these conversations and you don't resolve them and all the regrets become bigger. And then you just, you not only, uh, you may want to move forward, but you can't move forward because the regrets are there and you can't see yourself ever being any different. You can't see life ever getting any better. And so it's very important to think about your story, and, and where's your story going? Is your story stuck? And how you are telling your story, and is your story always being told with the stones of regret? Let me give you an example. Um, this is the story of the last four years of Paul Rienzo, okay? And I just, this is written and narrated by me. Uh, th these, are my, these are the last four years. But I'm gonna tell you, I can tell you the story of the last four years of my life in four different stories, which is really interesting. Um, I, could, I could tell you the last four years, so you come up to me and Paul, hey, how you been doing? Uh, good, good. Man, I haven't seen you in four years. What's, what's, your, what's going on in your life? Well, then I get to pick the narrative from that point on. So I could go with this one. Well, the last four years have been about my back, you know, and it's like, Four years ago, I hurt my back. I dropped the car on me, did this and did that. Had a lot of pain in my life and lost all sports. Can't play sports anymore. Can't do this anymore. Had to sell my boat because I couldn't load it and uh, unload it on the back of the trailer. And, and I, could, I could tell you that story. I'm in control of the story. And I could put that one out there for you. Um, and that one's got a lot of regret built into it. How about this one? I can tell you, hey, Paul, how you been doing? I haven't seen four years. What are you dealing with now? Oh, let me tell you about, man, I'm dealing with depression. I've never dealt with depression in my life before. The last four years have been such a battle of depression. Man, there have been times I just wanted to die. There, you know, I don't know if it was the meds or whatever. Um, or I could go with another story. I could say, uh, hey, Paul, how you been doing? What's been up to lately? Well, you know, I turned 60 about four years ago. Uh, that would make me mid-60s at this particular point. It's like, yeah, life's been really different in the last four years. Turned 60s, that's a real difficult thing, and uh, it, it's, it's a hard thing, and everything hurts, and you know, all this other stuff, and I can go into that story. But here's the other thing, I can tell you another story in the last four years. Hey, Paul, how you been doing? 
Oh, let me just tell you, the last four years, let me tell you about Ireland. Ireland is my little granddaughter. And like all my grandchildren, I love them very much. But Ireland happens to live the closest to me. And that's, that tends to make her a little bit more in front of me all the time. And I'm like, Ireland's my, my best buddy. Uh, we do this together. We go fishing together. We ride bikes around the neighborhood together. We play Super Nintendo together. Uh, not Super Nintendo, Super Mario. And uh, we are on the Switch together. We, we do all kinds of things together. See, I determined what story I'm pushing forward. Um, and we all get to choose what the narrative that we publish. It's written and published and narrated by you. But the problem is, is that when you have so many regrets in your life, the story of you becomes a narrative of regret. You only see yourself as an alcoholic or divorced person or widowed, or widower, or, um, or whatever it may be. And they may not, not even be forces that are under your control. You may see yourself, and your narrative is, I'm black. My narrative is, I'm, I'm a woman. My narrative is, I'm, I'm rich, I'm poor, I'm educated, uneducated. We get to choose what we assemble in front of us and allow that to become our narrative. And our story of growth and of life stops with the wall of regrets that we pile in front of us. I get to choose what the narrative is going to be. It's not that I'm lying or hiding. I'm choosing which story moves forward, which story really defines me. Because we all have regrets here. We've all made mistakes. Some of them are, are, are really bad. We'd, some of us screwed up our families. Some of us screwed up our kids. Uh, we talked about liturgies over the last couple of weeks, and some of us never did any of them. Never got them right, didn't know about them. And it's like, wow, here, here I am today. What do I do now? And, and a lot of people hated the series that we just did because it was like, well, you just basically reminded me all the things I didn't do, I should have done, and that's why my kids were all screwed up. And it's all my fault. Well, I'm telling you, whether it's that or anything in life, you've got to decide what you're going to do with, got to have a liturgy of how to resolve regret in your life because we all have it. And this is the power of the grace of God. This is the power of Jesus in your life because he, he gets you to have the opportunity to, to um, live beyond regret. I love what Paul said in Ephesians 2. He says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world. It's like you were dead in, you had, dude, you, your story wasn't going anywhere. We too all formerly lived according to the lust of our flesh, indulged in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. It's like, wow, we were all making mistakes. We were all screwing up. And, and, and it's like, and, and the Lord's telling us, and we were dead. Your story doesn't go any further than that. The stones were piled up. We've all done it. We've all made mistakes. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love which he has loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. It means our story gets to go on. So you're divorced. So you struggle with same-sex attraction. So you, you're an addict. You look at porn or whatever it may be. You, you, maybe you screwed up your kids. Maybe you did. I mean, maybe, it's just, maybe you screwed up your kids. It's like, well, but I don't have any right to lift my head up. I don't have any right to move forward. I don't have any right to call them. I don't have any right to text them. I don't have any right to, to do anything. And, and, and he says, like, you're right. You were dead in your transgressions. But through the mercy of God, your story gets to go forward. And it's like, if we can get past this regret thing, you get to move forward with your story. It says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, even when our kids hated us, even when we blew our marriage, that God made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. So the great thing in the message today is that there's a rebranding that comes with grace. You, by your past, failures or, or lack of accomplishments or mistakes have branded yourself. 
And maybe other people are walking around with a card reminding you of who they think you are. But in the grace of God, the story gets to go forward. You get to go forward. I wanna read you a story about this, about getting rid of this wall of stones in front of you so that your story can move forward. And this woman is so inspiring in the scriptures and it comes to us out of the Gospel of John. And and let me just read to you uh, this story and and try to visualize it as much as you can as I I read the story. But I want you to see that she's gonna be challenged by brick walls. And I'll identify these brick walls at the end. But I want you to see that there are competing stories in her singular life, she can decide what story she's gonna move forward with. Listen, listen to this. There was a, a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink. They were standing around the well. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Therefore, the Samaritan woman said to him, how is it that you being a Jew asked me for a drink since I am a Samaritan woman? for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. And she said to him, sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You are not greater than our father Jacob, are you? Who gave us the well and drank of it himself and his sons and his cattle. And Jesus answered and said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will thirst again. But everyone who drinks of the water that I will give them will never thirst. But the water that I will give him will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty nor come all the way here to draw. And he said to her, go and call your husband and come here. And the woman said, I have no husband. And Jesus said, you correctly have said, I have no husband, for you have five husbands, have had five husbands, and the one whom you have is not your husband. This you have said truly. And the woman said to him, sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshiped in this mountain, and and you people, you people, say that in Jerusalem is the place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for, for salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For such people, the Father seeks to be his worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He who is called Christ. When that one comes, he will declare all things to us. And Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. At this point, his disciples came and they were amazed. He had been speaking with a woman. Yet no no one said, what do you seek or why do you speak to her? So the woman left her water pot, went into the city and said to the men, come see a man who told me all the things I've done. This is not the Christ, is it? And they went out of the city and were coming to him. Did you hear all the different stories in her life? I, I, I love it. There was all, like you, she had multiple stories tracking simultaneously. And these were all stories she could become frozen in. Let's take the first story, Jew and Samaritan, okay? She can get caught in an ethnic and racial distinction. How many of us in America have done that? How many of us want to break the whole story down to the the adversity of race in America? And for some of us, that has become the only story. It's the only story that we advance with. But for some, we, we just, we allow that to be the story. Those blacks, those whites, those Asians, you know, uh, and those Hispanics, whatever it may be. We could, we could break up the story. I mean, we got, we got the Jews and Hamas at the same time. I mean, we got, we, this can be the story. And for a lot of us, that's it. 
The story ends right here. Um, and this woman's story, she threw it out there. You know, just talking to a guy at the well. Well, you Jews, well, you Samaritans. And that could be it right there. And that could be the end of her story. And all the conversations are, she's giving them some water. And we're not moving beyond that. You know, we're not gonna, we're not gonna move beyond that. Or maybe the man-woman's story. She could have ended on that. Like, why are you even talking to me? I mean, that's what was presupposed in the story is that a man is not speaking to a woman at this well. Like, why are you even talking to me? It's like, and we can make that about that in our lives, can't we, in America? We can make it all about uh, the Barbie generation, about getting your power, overcoming men, about men being misogynist and chauvinist over women. And we can make it all about... You, being a man or being a woman, as if that is the most important story that we're going to track with in our lives. But for some of us, that, that is the story. Some man did you wrong, and whether that, that guy's living rent-free in the middle of your story. And your story is never going any further because there's that dude in your story. It's, and, it, and it happens. And I'm not saying there isn't injustice in racism and in, and in disharmony between the sexes. And, and I'm not saying all that, but is that where you want your story to end? That's just all we're talking about is, is that a wall big enough to keep your life from moving forward? Um, then there's the, um, let's see what else, oh, the well and the heritage story. She could only go as far as her family history. She only is going to go as far as her family lets her go. It's like, well, this was the way that I was raised. This is the way that we deal with each other. This is how we did it in my dad's house, my mom's house. This is the way we're going to do it. And, this is, and that's how far. We're. And for some of us, we're not letting our stories go any further because of the story of our home. The story, the story of what our dad did to us or our mom did to us or the fact that we didn't have a mom or a dad. And for us, that becomes the central part of the whole story and it never moves any further because of our family. We don't allow the story to go any further. Oh, how about this one? Um, uh, no husband, five husbands. Okay, that means, so a relational story. Um, uh, success in relationship stories. I mean, I've been divorced and remarried. And for a lot of people, in Charleston particularly, that's the end of my story. I can't even be the pastor of this church because, because I had a failed marriage uh, 36 years ago, 37 years ago, I can't, my story can't go any further because, nope, sorry, you screwed up when, you know, you were 25 years old and that's it, you're shelved, your story can't go any further, you're a divorced guy, you know, um, and that's, that's it. And for some people, that, that, you gotta get that annulled. We gotta pretend, you know, I was part of that group. You know, you got to pay your $900 to the archbishop so that they can, you can write a letter and find out why your marriage really never happened and all that other malarkey that we go through, you know? Instead of trying to handle the regret, we're just going to pretend it never happened. You know, it wasn't a real marriage. But for some of us, we screwed up in marriage. We messed up. Uh, some of us, uh, um, we're now in, can't make it work. Just can't make it work with a guy or with a gal. It's just kind of like relationship after relationship after relationship, and you feel used, you feel hollow, you feel empty. Um, and, you know, a lot of us get there. And, it's, and, we, and our story ends with that, with a failed love attempt. And we just decide we're not going any further with this. She could have stopped there. Oh, I loved it. Um, it, it almost comes down to... Uh, Geography. Well, you say that you can worship on this mountain, and they say that we're worshiping Jerusalem. I'm just telling you, you can invent and live with any kind of regret you want to. You want to make it geographical? You can do it. You want to make it racial? You can do it. You want to make it gender-based? You can do it. You want to make it the 1% against the 99%? You can do it. You want to make it the Democrats against the Republicans? You can do it. You know, uh, you, can, you can fabricate, but I think it's so funny, you, the mountain and the Jerusalem thing, it's kind of like, uh, you know, you can make this distinction. 
and then create a wall and then not go any further with it. And um, some of these stories she was born into. And you, some of you here, you have regrets because of what you were born into. This, this is kind of like not your fault. You were born, I don't know, uh, into that family. And that family was screwed up because grandpa was whacked and, you know, uh, whatever it may be. And, um, you know, it's like I told you at that wedding, you know, my uncle kissed me on the lips. You know, I mean, he's, an old, he's 95 years old, but I'm in a family where old people kiss people on the lips, you know? And it's like, when he kissed me on the lips, it kind of caught me off guard a little bit, you know? He grabbed my face, like, I'm proud of you, Paul, and he kissed me on the lips. I'm like, that's right, I'm part of that kind of family. That's right, we do this. I just, I forgot. But for a lot of us, you're born into it. You were born into your color. You were born into your social economic situation. You were born into your crazy mom. You were born into your abusive dad. You were born into your genetics. You know, you were born at a certain height as opposed to you wish that you were this height. I mean, we just go out and we can make a mountain out of anything. We can make a regret out of anything. And some of them are things that we're born into. Uh, some, of our, some of her stories are her fault. There are some regrets here that, you know, I don't know what's going on with this husband relationship thing, but, I, you know, there's some stuff she's responsible for. And then there are some of these stories that are other people's faults, you know, that, that other people have done. Again, it could go back to the husband thing. All of them could have become stone walls of regret that kept her from moving forward. Every one of them. Her story could have ended right there with any one of these stories. And I'm going to ask you today, has your story stopped because of one story, one regret? I mean, is there something you're holding against yourself or somebody else or even a people group that you're like, uh-uh, until this gets fixed, until this gets resolved, or maybe this? I could never be forgiven for what I did. You know, I, I could never get past this. And, and for some of us, our lives just come to a stop right there uh, because it's something we struggle with, something that we have difficulty with or something that we have done wrong. And we just, we know we're forgiven by heaven, but we, we just, just can't move past that story. So how about you? What, what is your story? What, what does it all keep coming back to? What keeps holding you back? There, I only have one thing that holds me back, is that I never got my doctorate in philosophy. Not theology, that, that, you can't make any money there. Uh, but I just never got it in philosophy. And there was one thing holding me back from that, because I never got my master's. And there was only one thing that was holding me back from that, I never got my undergrad. So there was a couple of things, but when I think about it, but then I have to ask myself, but is that really stopping me? Or is that a wall I've created in my own mind? Is that a regret that was superimposed on me or, or what? And, and, and for a lot of us, we got to ask ourselves, what is holding you back? Um, so let me just throw out, is it, is it your dad's story? You know, if you have a dad's story and you're 25, that's, I get it. But if you're still having a dad's story and you're 60 and you still got issues with your dad, you got to get over that wall, okay, because your life's coming to an end, okay? And my guess, if you're still having dad's stories and you're trying to be a dad, that's screwing up your dad's story and your kid's dad's story. And for too long of us, we, we're just, you know, always... Whenever we would get together, it's the first time my family got together this last two weeks ago up in New Hampshire when we got together, and we all got together, and it was the first time in 64 years of my life where my dad's misdadding techniques was not the subject of our conversation. I think we all discovered that we all kind of saw the same car wreck when we were kids, and then... The car wreck got removed and Pop went to heaven and Mom went to heaven and then we all came together and it's like, well, we could all talk about the regret or we could move past it and find out, hey, I like you. You know, really, I never had a problem with my brothers or my sister. It was like, we just had a problem with my dad. He was our, we allowed him to become our stone wall and we wouldn't move beyond it. So maybe it's your dad, maybe it's men. 
Maybe it's white people. Okay? Sure, we could go through the atrocities. We could list them. We can enumerate them through history. Okay? Is, is that where you want your story to remain? Maybe it's blacks. How about this one? Maybe it's the patriarchy. Um, it's all about men, toxic masculinity. And I will live my life to bring down toxic masculinity. You go, girl. We're living rent-free in your head. Okay, how about living your life? Live it with all the graces of God and the beauty of God in your life. How about this one? Your looks. Your bad back. Your second divorce. Your addiction. Your adultery. See, a lot of churches are, we're here for the victim. But I'm here to tell you today, we're, we're here for the culprit too. You gotta be able to go, you gotta be able to move forward. Yeah, but I cheated. No, okay. You're gonna let that be your, that's the stone in front of you? Your, your life doesn't, we were all dead in our transgressions. But Christ made us alive. Does that mean we don't have transgressions anymore? No. Now we're alive in our transgressions. That's the oxymoron. That's the honey in the rock. I mean, that's the part. It's like, I should be dead. I shouldn't be able to have hope. I should be always walking around in shame. And Christ says, no. Yes, you did it. You regret you did it. You wouldn't do it again if you had a shot at it. But your life gets to go forward. How about um, my past failures as a parent? And it's like, man, I really screwed up as a, as a dad or a mom. Are you letting that hold you back? I'll tell you, there's one way you can, just all you gotta do, it's one of the cards you keep in your back pocket. It's called the um, I'm sorry card. It works on, on 15-year-old children. It works on 30-year-old children. It works on 60-year-old children. A dad going up and saying, I'm sorry. You know, um, powerful. Uh, sin in your life, things that you do wrong. What's what this woman does is amazing and important for us. After listening to Jesus and his offer to her of a new story, she runs and tells her story in the town, okay? But I want you to notice the narrative is different. I mean, it's like his story changes her story what she's going to say, listen, so she runs into town, and she's going to run into town. Hey, it's me. Yeah, slept with five guys. Yeah, you guys know about five husbands. Yeah, the guy I'm with right now. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I'm a woman. I'm not supposed to be talking. I'm a Samaritan. Yeah. Okay, I'm worse than dirt. Oh, yeah, we worship on this mountain over here. You know, none of that. None of that. Listen, she runs into town. She says, see a man who told me all the things that I have done. This is not the Christ, is it? This isn't the same story. And I think it's interesting. She says, come see a man who told me all the things. See, the wall of regret, the wall of obstacles, the wall of mistakes. I love how she, she doesn't enumerate them, does it? Does she? She doesn't go through all these stories. She just says, come and meet a man who told me all things that I did. It's like, really? You're not going to go into clarity about the adultery? You're not going to go into clarity about your addiction with cocaine? You're not going to go into clarity about how you dropped out of college? You're not going to go and look at, no, come meet a man who told me all the, those things are real. We're not pretending we didn't do anything wrong. That's not how you handle regrets. But she says, come meet a man who told me all things. And, and I think it's amazing. It's like these stones that were true and part of her wall they were no longer the story. If your race is your story, you are missing a greater story. If your gender is your story, you are missing a greater story. If your divorce is your story, you're missing a greater story. If your back pain is your story, you are missing a greater story. Are they all part of the story? Yes, they are, but are they the story? Are they the walls? 
A wall of offense that she had had in her life becomes a smooth pebble. All the talk of new life springing forward that Jesus talked about changed how she arranged her story. Now, these harsh stones of a wall that kept her from moving forward were stones very much a part of her life. I really did go through a divorce. I really did have a drug addiction. I really did struggle with porn. I re- these are all real in my, and I'm talking about me, personally, my life. But I will no longer let them be a wall that keeps my story from moving forward if I have been made alive by Christ. Are they a part of my life? Yes. But they're now part of the pebbles that are at the bottom of a stream of new life. And as time and grace flows through my life, it erodes the sharp edges over it. And that's why some of you are shocked. I can't believe he said that in public. I can't believe he admitted that he struggled with this or struggles with that. Or he says like, it's like, no. I am not allowing any of my human behavior to become a wall that stops my story from moving forward. Why? Because by grace I'm saved, not of myself, but by the grace of Jesus Christ. And if God says I'm clean, let no man call it unclean. If God has made me holy, let no one, even myself, make it unholy. I I love what this woman says, I mean, what Jesus says to her. She's talking about worship. He says, you don't know what you worship. Because right now, from what I've heard you say, you're, you're worshiping all the obstacles that are standing in your way. You, you're, you're talking more about the Jew Samaritan story. You're talking about the man-woman story. You're talking more about these other stories in your life. It's like, you don't know what you worship. But I'm looking for Worshippers that will worship in spirit and truth, streams of living water, turning your stone wall into just a brook of new life. It's not about hiding our mistakes. It's not about lying about our mistakes, but not allowing our mistakes because of the grace of God to assemble into a wall that stops our story. This is not the Christ, is it? I love it. She's not the center of her story anymore. Grace is the center of her story. Forgiveness is the center of the story. Hope is the center of her story. Jesus is the center of the story. You know, she's running into town. It's like, wait a minute. I can see some dudes like, don't talk to her. She's an adulteress. Don't talk to her. She's a woman. Don't talk to her. She's unclean or whatever. And she's like, whatever. Coming to me, man who told me everything about me. Is this not the Christ? See, when you make your mistakes no longer the center of your story, and you make Jesus the center of your story, your story goes forward. It's amazing, it's beautiful, and that's what God has offered us. Jesus is the center of the story. In this story, there was sin, racism, sexism, adultery, failure, lousy parenting, wrong side of the tracks, grief, and they are all stones. But because of the grace of God, they're no longer a wall against this woman. They are now part of a stream of new life that are being rounded off by the grace of God. So what is your story? Have you lost your story in the past? Have you lost your story in your grief and in your pain? I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not even saying you're not justified for your anger. Have you lost your story in your nearsightedness? Have you allowed God into your story? Have you let him speak into your story. And that's what Jesus does with this woman. She tries to stymie him. Yeah, but this. And Jesus is like, boop, boop, boop. Yeah, but this. Boop, boop, boop. And then there's a story she's not going to talk about. But he knows it's living in the frontal of her brain. That's why he brings up the husband thing. It's like, I know the story. You're not saying it because you're so ashamed of it. But I know it's a story that's running right now in your head. How about your husband? Go get your husband. He's like, We need to deal with all the stories, seen and unseen in your life, that get in your way. Um, With the mercy of God, the stones from the wall that hold you back um, are nothing more than rounded pebbles in a stream of grace. The stones are there, they're real, but they no longer have the power to stop your story. They are part of a better story, a story of new life. 
I'm totally out of time, had so much more, but I think we landed where we wanna land. This little card is that some of you have regrets in your life, whether it was you thought you were gonna be an astronaut and that you were gonna be right there with uh, Neil Armstrong in 69 and, uh, and that didn't work out. Maybe, maybe, can I just say this straight? Maybe you're a sucky dad. I mean, you just, you didn't know how to do it right. It wasn't done right to you. And you just, you know, this card's for you. Because your story doesn't have to end there. And it doesn't mean that your kids are gonna like you if you go up and say you're sorry. I'm just gonna warn you about that. Some of my brothers responded to my dad and were like, oh man, we're good. Let's go fishing. Some of my brothers didn't know if it was real or not. The question is whether my, my dad was going to move forward with his life. Um, maybe something was done to you. Some crime was committed against you. Some form of racism, chauvinism, misogyny. Um, maybe it wasn't your doing. It was somebody else did it to you. Uh, you need to get that on this card because you can't let that be in your head. You can't let it, every time you go up to, a, uh, up to a man, you can't be afraid of every man. Every man is not a dog. Every white person is not a racist. Every black person is not going to rob you. <laughs> I've been with people who cross the street because a black person is coming down the, I'm like, you are kidding me. We're crossing the street. But folks, whether justified or not, those, those walls become real in your head. When I went through my divorce, I remember, I, uh, and I won't go into the details of it because to protect her relationship as well, she has a right to have a life before Christ as I have a right to live it before Christ. And I want to honor that. Um, but I thought I'll never marry again. Apparently I'm not the marrying kind. Maybe I'm not good at this. I suck at this. And then I thought about all women. It's like, ah, just use them. Don't marry one. Just use one. That's all you need to do. And those thoughts crept into my head. And it's like, and I thank God back then, 37 years ago, he said, that's not your story, man. That's not, you really want that to be your story? Uh, you're going to have to get these stones out of your head. You're going to have to. And so I stepped into the grace of God. And now the thought of living without my person, I can't even imagine it. It's like, how did that story, how did I end up there? It's because I decided to lay, apart, lay aside the story. Let me just read you one verse, the emergency verse. <laughs> 1 John 3 says this, if whatever our hearts condemn us, for God is greater than our hearts and knows all things, beloved. If our heart, heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. Today, some of us need to reestablish confidence in God. He has forgiven you, he loves you. He has torn down the wall. But for some of us, the regret remains and for a lot of us, it's not because it was so bad, God can't forgive it. God can forgive anything. It's that we don't have confidence towards God. Do I really believe I'm forgiven? Do I really believe it? And today, let's put an end to regret. So let me encourage you, as we serve you communion on the sides here, we have this cross, and over to the side, we've got pencils. Can I just, you don't have to write a whole story, and maybe you've got a pen in your purse or your wallet or with your three cards that you've got in your back pocket. Um, but just write your regret here. And then pin it to that cross. Pin it to that cross. And let it end here. Is it, is it still part of your life? Yeah, but it doesn't have to be part of a wall. It can now just be a stone. It's part of your story, but the story is not about the stone, is it? The story is about the creek. The story is about the water. The story's not about you anymore. The story's about him. 
and his grace. So let's light this cross up with regrets. It may be regrets that are not your fault. They may be a people group regret. It may, um, it may be your fault. You did it. It may be their fault. They did it. But why walk out of here with it still integrated into a wall? Why not knock it down with grace today? Father, thank you so much for your love and thank you for this precious, precious moment because you are telling every one of us our stories don't have to stop here. People have told us you can't go any further because you're not educated enough. You can't go any further because you were molested. You can't go any further because you're divorced. You can't go any further because you have same-sex attraction. You can't go any further because you messed up and you were a lousy dad. You can't go any further because you're black. You can't go any further. And that is a lie. Those things may have been real stones assembled in front of us. And maybe we even put them together. But today, the wall comes down. And the grace, streams of living water flow out of our innermost being. Lord God, we don't have to be on the right mountain. We don't have to be in the right city. We don't have to be the right color. We don't have to be the right race. We don't have to be the right gender. All we need to be is in Christ Jesus. So Father, today, the regret that has become the excuse, that has become the reason, ends here. And we pin it to the cross. Let me encourage you as you come. First come to communion, okay? In other churches, they make you first go to the cross and pin that thing up to the cross. No, no. We live out of grace. We do not live to earn grace. So first come receive the expression of the forgiveness of God in your life. And then pin your regret 